Yale Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast series focusing on issues related to religion, culture, and politics. In this episode, Emily Judd interviews pastor and clinical social worker Dr. Frederick Streets, a Yale Divinity School alum and former Yale University chaplain. Dr. Streets weighs in on the causes and cures for burnout among Christian religious leaders. Compassion fatigue is when you you give out so much of yourself that you just get depleted physically, emotionally, spiritually. He argues for interfaith dialogue and the acceptance of the diversity of religions. None of us are wise enough to be able to make a claim that God, the way to understand and to experience God, is only one way. And Dr. Streets shares lessons learned from his 40-plus years of experience as a minister. I took myself too seriously. I felt like it all depend the, the success of the church and the effectiveness of the witness was at all dependent upon me. You conducted a study last year about the well-being of clergy in the northeastern part of the United States following the COVID pandemic. What did you find about the state of religious leaders? So clergy serving either as pastors or in administrative roles are under a lot of stress. And that stress was certainly aggravated by the impact of COVID-19 because it brought to them uh, deep feelings of vulnerability. They had to attend to people who became ill and certainly those who passed away from the, from the, uh, pande- uh, from the COVID and ministering to their, to their families. What I was um, surprised to find, statistically speaking, is that uh, clergy tended to uh, do better at taking care of themselves, even though the amount of stress was was certainly unimaginable. Another finding is that clergy who engage in multiple and frequent self-care strategies experience higher well-being than those clergy who did not. Self-care for them uh, looks uh, looked like Uh, setting boundaries, accepting limitations as a gift rather than as a failure to being omnicompetent, and cultivating self-awareness. The cultivation of self-awareness is on all three levels, mind, body, and spirit. Wow. I find it really interesting, the first self-care practice that you said, which is um, setting boundaries. Yes. I find that very interesting that that's part of self-care. Um, I know setting boundaries has been hard for me, to be honest, in my in my life. So um, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts? Why, why is setting boundaries an important part of self-care? Well, if you think about an, um, an old-fashioned ice tray, when you pour the water in the ice tray, it's held by each square section. If you pour too much water in it, it runs over everything and ice freezes over everything, right? So without boundaries, um, the, the, the general work of the clergy, uh, life issues, all of that can just kind of overflow and, and cause you to feel overwhelmed. And clergy can experience both what we call uh, compassionate fatigue and vicarious suffering. Compassion fatigue is when you, you give out so much of yourself that you just get depleted physically, emotionally, spiritually. Vicarious suffering is when you take in too much, when you take in the suffering experiences and stories of other people, 
without having a way to to really clearly understand it's it's someone else's story. Your body experiences the story as if it's yours, and you can begin to have some of the symptoms uh, of the people that you're trying to help who are suffering because you can't you're not filtering psychologically and spiritually the other person's story, separating it from your own. Is that what is part of what makes pastoring? so prone to burnout and uniquely challenging. Um, what, what do you think about that? What contributes to burnout and, uh, and is, is having multiple demands, but yet limited resources. And limited resources under the COVID situation uh, included just not having resources, period. It wasn't a matter of they existed somewhere, we just didn't have enough. <laughs> It didn't exist at all. And so, but normally it's, it's a lot of demands when there's limited or no resources. And often uh, it's accompanied by unrealistic expectations. So the, the clergy can be uh, sometimes border on being a little bit too grandiose about what it is that they need to do. And at a deeper sense of call level, some clergy uh, burn out because they feel that they've disappointed their sense of fidelity to God. When you add on the, the, the spiritual dimension, the sense of vocation and calling and one's, one's understanding of one's relationship to God, uh, that, can add a, that can add an additional component of, of pressure or, or stress. And so after doing this research, what do you consider to be the most urgent need for church leaders in America today? Well, one, to recognize and celebrate the humanity and limitations of clergy as human beings. Um, You gotta recognize that there are limits, um, but we need to not just recognize it, but to celebrate it so that that you don't don't get stigmatized for, for establishing those boundaries around self-awareness and and what it is you know you can and cannot do. Um, Those in the Christian community remember the story of the death of Lazarus. And when Jesus got to the home of uh, Mary and Martha, they were upset, understandably so. But, you know, there's that statement, you know, Jesus, if you had been here, this problem wouldn't have happened. This death would not have happened. There will always be those kinds of expectations, realistic and unrealistic, that people put on a clergy, and there, there's no way to not fail someone's expectations. <laughs> there's always going to be something that someone will feel like you should have done uh, more of. So recognizing and celebrating the humanity and the limitations of the clergy. Now I want to go back to a, a different time, sure. <laughs> way before the pandemic, thank God. Um, but I'm sure you had other challenges other than the pandemic when you were serving as the chaplain at Yale University for 15 years, where it was your job to be a resource for students on campus who are seeking faith and guidance. Can you share a moment where you remember making a difference in the life of a student at Yale? I remember a student who uh, that I helped and got married, and it uh, turned out that one 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 spouse was uh, Christian and the other was was on is Christian and the other uh, is Muslim, and we worked through that uh, planning that relation uh, that that wedding and meeting with both sets of parents and all the expectations and uh, 
Um, they were, as far as I know, still happily married with the family you know, many years later. And so that was, that was a real joy to walk with them at that stage of their life. That's amazing. And you mentioned that you um, established a multi-faith campus ministry during your time as chaplain. And actually, in a 2015 article, you wrote that, quote, the diversity of creation itself suggests to me that there is more than one way to understand God and practice religious faith. There is more than one way to understand God and practice religious faith. Um, Some people argue, though, that to accept religious diversity is actually to compromise your own faith. What do you say to that critique? Did you have opposition when you were um, embarking on this multi-faith campus ministry? Oh, sure. Um, There were people, and and still are, and I respect people who really hold to that uh, that point of view. But I actually had um, a small committee, almost a delegation of uh, uh, some Christian members of the clergy, members of the community who uh, came as a group to talk to me about uh, that article, um, uh, that reference. And uh, we, you know, we, we agreed to respectfully disagree um, they they wanted to pray for me, which they did. They wanted to pray for my soul, which they which they did. Um, but I still maintain the the diversity of life and of culture suggests to me that there is more than one way to understand and to uh, to express our relationship with God. I made it clear that for me, it was through the life, death, and resurrection that I believe in in Christ. Um, but that was my path. That is my path. It's not the path for for every for everyone. But that path is the leads to where all the other religious communities I think are pointing and leading. And so, um, so yes, there was opposition, and and I understood it and I respect it. But I think the way of life now requires us. None of us are wise enough, knowledgeable enough. I don't. I don't care how how much we feel committed to our religion. Um, none of us are wise enough to be able to make a claim that God, the way to understand and to experience God is only one way. I'm also going to mention another article that you wrote. Uh, this time it was for the New Haven Register. It was about hope in which you write that quote, loss of hope diminishes our capacity to live and thrive. It's hard sometimes in our day and age not to buy into fear. So I'm wondering, how can we nurture hope instead of fear within our societies and within our church communities as well? Hope is really organic. It is an emotional and spiritual condition that fosters are living, it fosters, uh, are growing. And for me, the, the challenge and, and the power of hope is to still act hopeful and share it with others, even when it seems like hope is a lost cause. And for me, it's grounded in my faith in, in God. And so I, I'm thankful that God's will, I believe, is for the betterment of humankind. Is there something in particular that uh, is giving you hope for the future at this moment in your life? 
or this moment in our world, I should say, too? Uh, you know, someone commented to me the other day that the world is a terrible and uh, uh, painful place. And, and I said, yes, it, it, it is. It has always been. But it's not all of it. <laughs> um, it. It is not either or. It's both and. It's, it's pain and it's promise. It's destruction and it's construction. It's like walking down the street and seeing that little blade of grass sticking up out of the concrete. And you, when you think about it, it's that, that little blade of glass, grass found the crevice, found the light that coming in. It needs light and water and made its way through. Now, the, there are a lot of blades of grass that didn't make it, but there's one that did. And that reminds us that the, the thrust of life is always towards life. You served for almost 20 years as the senior pastor of the Mount Airy Baptist Church in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And now you're serving as the senior pastor at the Congregational United Church of Christ in New Haven. I'm curious, looking back at your ministry, is there something that you wish you did differently? And if so, what advice also would you give to church leaders today? I'm sure there's a long list of things I wish. But I, I could say that I, um, this comes with time and maturity. But uh, overall, particularly earlier in my ministry, I took myself too seriously. And how did that affect your ministry? Well... When, you take, when I took myself too seriously, um, I felt like it all depended, the, the success of the church and the effectiveness of the witness was all dependent upon me. Uh, that I had to be the perfect instrument through which, say, take a, take a flute, you know, a wind instrument. Uh, the instrument had to be perfect for the, for the wind to blow through to get the perfect sound, right? And so I wanted to be that perfect instrument through which the, the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit could blow through. And um, the problem with that is that not, nothing is perfect <laughs> and no one is perfect. And so you put pressure and expectations on yourself uh, that are not, were not necessary, or I did at the time. And it, it perhaps... Um, uh, took up psychological and spiritual space and energy that if had been more cleared out, I could, have, I could have discerned more about how to really be, uh, not just in what I was doing. I was being more than, I was doing more than I was being. <laughs> and that ties back into your study about self-care. So exactly. it, it, it's kind of like full, full circle now. Um, you're shedding light on, on something that you actually experienced. I've had, um, you know, 40, 43 years of experience. And, and what I'm reminded of often uh, is, the, is, is the following, that these are the things that are absolutes for, lit, for life. Food, water, <laughs> air, sense of safety and peace, and love, food, water, air, sense of safety and peace and love. And to me, the challenge is, from the Christian perspective, is what does the gospel have to say to us, can guide us in being able to maintain and to share and secure those things for all people? 
That's the basic fundamental challenge of the gospel. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think we've come to the end of the conversation and we've covered a lot of things that I know the Yale Divinity School community and alum and the Yale University um, network are going to be interested in. So thank you so much for sharing your, your study, your insight, your experience.